0: Welcome to the Accessible Learning Experience, where we help you turn learning barriers into learning opportunities. On this episode, I had the pleasure of interviewing Mia Murphy and Chris Smith from the North Carolina Virtual Public School, or NCVPS. Mia and Chris have been great partners in supporting the work of our Technical Assistance Centers at CAST, especially the work of the Center on Inclusive Technology and Education Systems, or CITES. On the topic of virtual learning. The goal of SITES is to empower school districts to sustain inclusive technology systems that serve all students, including students with disabilities. To do this work, SITES is creating and disseminating a framework of evidence based practices to enhance the successful use of technology by all students. In 2022, SITES launched its virtual learning project to learn about promising practices related to educating and supporting students with disabilities and their families. Central to this work was identifying what technologies are used in these settings and how students require assistive technology to access instruction are supported. Equally important was understanding how teachers and families are supported to effectively use technology tools for inclusive teaching and learning. The sites team connected with a number of school districts and other organizations dedicated to virtual learning. And we're excited to share the work of one of them, the North Carolina Virtual Public School. Here's our conversation with Mia Murphy and Chris Smith from NCVPS. Hi, Mia and Chris. Welcome to the Accessible Learning Experience. I'm so excited to have you both with us today.
1: Well, thank you so much for having us. This is my inaugural podcast, so um, new experience, so very excited to be here.
2: Yes, thank you so much, Louise. I'm excited to be having this conversation today as well.
0: Well, let's go ahead and get started uh, by getting to know you a little bit better. So let's get started with this question that we always ask our guests. What is your accessibility story? What brings you to this work on a personal level and why is this work important to you? How about we start with you, Mia?
1: I'm Mia Murphy and I serve as the Executive Director for the North Carolina Virtual Public School. I've been with the organization nine years. So my accessibility story is multifaceted. You know, as an educator, um, you know, you do this work because you want to make sure that there are possibilities and options for all students. And so you do that, but I don't think until you have to live it, do you truly understand it. So I would say my personal story is actually with my started with my son, he is an amazing 14 year old now, but he was born at 25 weeks. So he weighed only a pound and 10 ounces. So micro preemie really at the edge of viability, we didn't know what would happen. So day by day, only spent a short 10 weeks in the hospital when you think about what it could be. But his first few years changed my whole lens of who I was, obviously, as a person, a mom, but also as an educator, because I, you know, learned through advocacy, how learning environment should be, um, the level of accessibility, the intentionality, what it should be. Not necessarily what it was or what even, you know, the environment that I had been supporting as an educator. So, you know, the experience of, you know, having birth not go as you think it should, but, you know, having an awesome outcome with a wonderful son where I had to make sure that the environment that he was due that I could advocate for. So I would definitely say it's very personal uh, with my son. And the same things that I want for him and saw that were not there and trying to break all barriers, I want for all children. So um, just kind of in a nutshell, my personal accessibility story. And I'm so fortunate that we work in this environment. I tell everyone that We're blessed to be the least bureaucratic part of state government. Um, We said we work to be as chameleon like as possible to figure it out for children. To um, alleviate some worries for educators, and just make sure that you know everyone um, has an environment, you know, where they can flourish. And this space, especially being online, the online classroom has so many possibilities and can do so many different things. I'm blessed to work in this space um, that we can come to work every day, and we can say, "Well, let me figure it out." That is not an immediate no. Um, that we're constantly challenged to figure out how we can help them to help their students.
0: What a powerful story and such a personal connection to the work. Um, I, I love to hear that. And you're right, online education has so much potential. And I can vouch for that firsthand as someone who's completed a lot of their schooling online Uh, just because of the many flexibilities that it offers uh, to someone who has a disability. So thank you for sharing your personal story. And how about you, Chris? Uh, What is your personal connection to this work? Yeah,
2: so I've been an educator in North Carolina for 22 years. I started out at K-12, different roles, uh, classroom teacher, Um, district-level instructional technology specialist. But in 2012, I decided to take on the role of a director position at a local community college. And it just so happened to be one that backed up to the Western School for the Deaf in North Carolina. And so that's where I really first got my introduction into the concept of accessibility. Um, We had several students from the deaf school who were cross-enrolled in our organization. I was the director of online learning and programs And through that, I was working really closely with our Office of Disability Services. And we happened to have a student on campus who was visually impaired. And it was time for her to transfer out from the community college to a four-year college and went to sit down to fill out the application um, through uh, the, the portal that's used for all colleges across North Carolina. And of course, it's digital and it's online. And it was not designed or programmed to be accessible. And so the student, it was not able to independently complete the application to go on to earn a higher degree in college on their own simply because the way that the, the the technology was designed, the way that the application was designed. So it it got me thinking. And so originally when I started addressing accessibility, it was from the legal standpoint. We have all these federal requirements that we have to follow as as institutions. But as years went on, as I got to be a part of NC Virtual, NCVPS, and the opportunities that came about. In 2018, we had a cohort of students from Governor Moorhead School for the Blind in North Carolina enroll in our Spanish course. Um, and I had worked on some of the design and development of that course. And so, in my opinion, I thought that I had followed to a tee, you know, what's required in order to design an accessible course. And so, the students got in there and started working and were really struggling so i went on campus and got to sit down with them in the library with a cohort of students and witness firsthand and observe their experience and i was ready to throw their technology out the window five minutes into the observation and so as we talked through it we we formed a partnership where I returned multiple times throughout the semester. So I would gather feedback and observe and ask questions and I would go make design changes and I would come back and we would try those. And we finally got it to the point before the end of the semester, they were already excited about enrolling in Spanish too. And so that changed my whole mindset from those two experiences, from the legal aspect to the human aspect. And so while we do have legal obligations we have to follow, There's so much power in being able to observe and listen and have discussions with individuals, uh, all kinds of diverse learners of where they come from, what they need and how we meet those needs. And so I think that's my biggest why. And I continue any opportunity to have the chance to talk with adults, professionals, meet with students, observe, sit in classrooms, sit in those situations. I I take those um, and I run with those. And in terms of, you know, What the the importance of this with NC Virtual NC VPS is that, um, before when I was doing this work, it was within a building. It was within a district, and now it's across the entire state, but it's even more than that. It's nationwide because we're a part of the VLLA, where we meet with other virtual schools across the entire country, and we're sharing in this work together. We've formed a special work group that's dedicated specifically to individuals and students with special needs, and we're talking back and forth about what do we do with IEPs and procurement and all kinds of work and it's really taken that small scale into a bigger scale and we have a large team working together and that has only been possible uh, through being a part of ncvps
0: thank you so much chris for uh, sharing that powerful story and for that reminder that like you said accessibility there are legal mandates there are standards but at the end of the day it's about people you iterate over time until you get to the experience where you're seeing that students are empowered and they're able to accomplish their goals. So, thank you for sharing that. Just so that people have a little bit more background, can you give us a little bit more context? What should our audience know about NCVPS? The
1: North Carolina Virtual Public Schools, so NCVPS, and you may also hear us um, refer to ourselves as NC Virtual, so multiple names but same organization. So we are the state-led virtual school for North Carolina. And so the emphasis on the state-led, because especially now, you know, post-COVID, there are many virtual um, virtual entities, but we are a part of our state education agency. So we're actually going into our 16th year. And so um, really, we are missioned uh, and provisioned to be the great equalizer So regardless of, you know, where you live, your zip code in North Carolina, it's a big state, very many majority rural, but you know, many more metropolitan areas, that opportunity does not look the same. And so we're that game changer. So, regardless of where you live, you have exposure to high quality teaching and learning. Um, you have a teacher who is nationally board certified, AP certified, master's degree, one that possibly you're in your district and where you um, live, you could not attract. So, that is our reason for being. We offer every course that a student needs to graduate with the two diploma types from North Carolina. So, our catalog ranges from, you know, 130 plus courses. So Chris's team um develops um those. Um our annual enrollments are average about 55,000. And so that's from every single school district in the state, many charters, and we also enroll home and private school. Um but it also includes um department of defense schools. Um Chris already mentioned the um, school for the um, blind, our residential school, school for the blind, school for the deaf, school for the arts. Really, any entity where education should be going on, we work um, to be there. And so um, within this space, there is always, you know, room for continuous improvement. Um, And so we work to perfect our craft continuously. Um, We're heavily involved with course quality. We were um, actually recently recognized this year by um, Quality Matters um, for our work and really making a difference for students. We're very proud of that. Um, We have the most um, QM course, certified courses of any K-12 institution in the state. So when we talk about this and talk about accessibility, which is a major part of the QM process, you see that we live it and we breathe it, you you know, forward. And so we're we're pretty large. We've consistently remained about the second largest state-led. There are different entities, but we're the largest state-led. And Chris also mentioned the VLLA, that is the Virtual Learning Leaders Alliance. That is a consortium of other state-led like-minded schools that we're a part of, actually about 20 of us, that, you know, with this type of work, you're kind of a unicorn so we're the only ones like ourselves in the state um there are other virtual entities but um you know they are more than likely not supplemental like us i don't think i mentioned that but we are not the diploma granting we offer all of the of the courses to get a diploma but you're not going to come to ncvps and graduate um, the great thing about us and being supplemental is that the student can have the great experience of having a quality online learning program, but also, you know, continue your studies at your traditional brick and mortar um, what or whatever type of school. And so we may be one, possibly two courses um, in your educational journey, but in terms of your actually graduating for us and us doing um, those fully school-fledged things with actually transhipping and report carding. We don't do that. The way that our relationship works and it works well, we are um, to enroll with us is completely a school or a district decision. They decide because we're outside of their system and they say that we demonstrate the quality and the fidelity of instruction to say, yes, my student can learn um, from your program. I trust you. Um, to ensure that um, it is quality. And then we then give that grade back to them to do report card transcripts and so forth. We're actually small and full-time staff. There are only 27 of us who are full-time, but large with our whole community. We employ um, over 700 teachers. None of our teachers are full-time. Um Chris's team employs uh, hundreds of contractors to help us develop courses. Um, There is a whole lot to this entire community to make it work, but when you look at you know, those people where it is, you know, your full time job, it's amazing what can be done and what has been done over the course of the last 16 years.
0: Wow, that's really impressive. And I think it'll be really helpful for uh, those in our audience who are not familiar with virtual schools and how they work. So thank you for that uh, really detailed explanation. Uh, I'm going to turn it over to you, Chris, now. I understand that you did a presentation focusing on how NCVPS supports students with disabilities. Uh, Can you tell us what were two or three takeaways from that presentation that you would share with our audience members if they're looking for strategies to better support their own students who have disabilities in an online environment?
2: Yeah, most definitely, and I can actually lead into that as a follow-up to the previous question, which Mia was answering. Um, In terms of one of the biggest questions was how do we ensure Like, how how do we maintain that control of accessibility over our content that we offer to students? And so one of the ways that we do that with NCVPS is that with a majority of our courses, we write them ourselves. We don't use textbooks. We hire certified teachers to write the content. We review it. We provide training to our entire organization, even all those hundreds of contractors that Mia referred to on how to design accessible content. And so we build it into the course. So the biggest thing that was emphasized from the beginning is the more opportunities you have to take control of the entire process internally, the better off you are. You know, we've, we've formed PLCs, professional learning communities around the country in different aspects of education. If we can get those to work together collaboratively to build and design and create the content, then we have the ability to go ahead from the start and add in you know, some of the common IEP accommodations, modifications, such as reduced answer choices, extended time, different things like that, which is what we take into consideration when we build our courses. On top of that, knowing what needs to be done to design accessible content also goes into the whole procurement process because you got to know what's expected or what needs to happen in order to review content that you're looking at purchasing. So I mentioned that we do a majority of our courses we build in-house, but there's some that we rely on third-party vendors for. But we have the same expectations uh, at NCVPS for those third-party vendors that we put into the design of our own courses. So we go through and ask for a demo ahead of time. And that was one of the things I stress. When If you're a school or a district or an educational entity of some kind, and you're looking at looking at procuring content, make sure you get access to that content ahead of time, at least a demo of it so that you can go through and look for these things. Don't just go out and purchase it first because you know, as a person who's involved in the purchasing process or procurement process, you're ultimately a part of that decision as well. So there's a lot of different things that come into play. The other thing is, is that, and this was kind of discuss, a discussion that came about in that FETC session, is that, you know, accessibility, digital accessibility has been researched and written about and talked about and trained on in higher education for Well, well over 10 years, well over a decade, but even having been in K-12 before and left to go to higher education and coming back to K-12, it still remains not so much talked about discussed uh, and and even implemented as much in k-12 settings and so that was where a lot of the conversation was because FETC was highly focused on the k-12 environment so we talked about that a lot and then we talked about you know there are tons of materials that are available through sites there are going to be a lot of those that are going to be connected to this podcast and referenced in this podcast and then the national accessible educational materials center has tons of materials that are available as well Those are really good starting points. But as I emphasized earlier, the key thing is also don't forget, like you're not just going to get all of this out of a book or from a presentation. It's kind of like when you go to, when you go to college to become a teacher, you sit through a lot of courses to learn how to teach and the philosophy behind it and everything else. You also go into a lot of classrooms to get a lot of practice. But until you graduate and you get your own classroom and you get in and start working with students, you really don't fully comprehend the whole entire process or grasp it and that's the key to accessibility you can't just learn it off a paper or out of a video or off of audio you have to get in and hands on the ground different things like that and interact with different individuals and so those were the key takeaways for me
0: great takeaways and thank you for sharing those chris and reminding us about the importance of procurement right uh, and how you can be proactive and in- ensuring that accessibility is part of the entire process from the time that you're considering things to procure to when you actually implement them. And as you said, getting that lived experience with the tools. Uh, You mentioned getting a demo ahead of time. Uh, Often we've recommended also having some students with disabilities. Uh, The people that are actually going to use the tools, try them out as part of that demo process and provide their feedback. So combining sort of like what we know about best practices from the literature, but also with the lived experience and the experiences of people that actually use assistive technology and require accommodations is so important. So uh, thank you for highlighting that uh, so well for us. And uh, you mentioned the resources from the National AIM Center and SITES, uh, the Center for Inclusive Technology and Education Systems. And I understand that you've been supporting some of the research of SITES over the last year or so through a variety of different methods interviews, surveys, and participation in some meetings. Why was it so important for you to participate in that research? Kind of going back to what
2: I mentioned earlier with that national. Voice that national national collaboration. That's what sites has offered through this, uh, the virtual project that they've been doing in terms of we. There were several of us that served on a virtual advisory board where we looked at key things like assistive technologies and supporting assistive technologies, IEP needs and and meeting those IEP needs and the procurement piece that I've talked about. There's about five things that we focused in on with that Virtual Advisory Board. While I've talked a lot about some of the things that we do really well with NC Virtual and even in the state of North Carolina, the North Carolina Education System, Department of Public Instruction, is one of seven cohort members for the National AIM Center Cohort Program uh, for the four years that we're in the middle of that term. And so we've been, I, I I'm privileged enough to be on that state leadership team. And so we've been analyzing things from the entire state level in North Carolina. And we know that procurement is something that we really need to focus in on because that language is not there. We're lucky with NC Virtual because we get to make those decisions primarily ourselves. But when it comes to the state level, the conversation is not always as as well spread out or they don't bring all the pe- the right people to the table, as you talked about, Louise. like It is important to have individuals represented in terms of you know, visual impairments, deaf, hard of hearing, different types of learners and educators involved in that process. And so that's what we're really working on trying to do. And that's where I've gotten a lot of, where we as a state, as a whole, have gotten a lot of benefits from this work with sites because we've talked to some other organizations I believe I remember through that work we were doing, Virginia was talking about how they were able to procure an entire video system for the entire state, which is supposed to be used. It addresses closed captions and transcripts and how they went about making that happen. And so that collaboration only happens through the work that sites put together to bring us together. Uh, Because there are things that we're doing really well. Not Not all the other states or not all the other participants in the group were designing their own courses. So I've shared some of the materials in terms of what we use to train all of our developers on how to create accessible content. I've shared those links that I think we'll share with the resources for this podcast, different things like that. But there's just the areas that maybe we, either as NCVPS or as again, a state system of education needs some extra assistance with. There's other states that are doing really well and the program, these national programs, whether it's VLLA sites, the AIM Center, all of those things allow us to come together and work together to figure out problems.
0: And we're excited to hear that you're finding the connections that you're making through the work with our technical assistance center so helpful. So, as we wrap up here, is there anything else you would like to share with our audience about the challenges that maybe encounter when supporting students with disabilities in online settings? Where should people get started when they're developing their strategy for creating more inclusive and welcoming environments for these students?
1: I will state just a challenge and a barrier. Especially for us in this space that we live in, is, uh, and it's a continuous improvement area, it's probably the communication. Because um, we can only, you know, support, advocate, uh, work to resolve issues for what we know. So we really depend on our school partners and district partners to let us know what is going on with the student but to also look at, especially if you are enrolling a student into a program external to your organization, to uh, make sure that, you know, the appropriate supports can actually be, you know, um, done, achieved, um, that it's the best environment. And so one of the, um, Chris said, you know, one of the things when we started working with the residential schools, you know, we had students enrolled and we had no idea <laughs> that you had that level of a disability. And so it became really crisp becoming every man um, to figure this out and make sure that, you know, our courses and our environment could meet their needs. So... One of the things that, and this is across all of our programs, is we really work on that communication and that partnership to make sure that if there are, um, you know, areas or interventions or things that we need to know um, to make sure that this is the best environment possible for students that, you know, our partners share that with us.
2: The biggest barrier that we continue to try to find a solution for as an entire state of North Carolina is being able to get the right people to the table. And that's, that's come up as a theme throughout what we're talking about. But in this, what I'm talking about is, in, in North Carolina, in the Department of Public Instruction, primarily the conversations around accessibility lie in the area of exceptional children so across the united states sometimes it's referred to as exceptional children sometimes it's still referred to as special education but that's where this conversation lies and it has to get outside of that area we have to have all key leadership all key uh, teachers students we have to have that whole variety of everyone involved so we continue at a state level to try to find a way to Get more of this information in front of the superintendents, in front of the principals, in front of the division section chiefs, different things like that, so that we can understand that it has to come from the outsides in, from the top down, from every different direction. So that's one of the barriers. And then one of the barriers that I've always faced in this entire process, going all the way back to talking about that work in the community college system, is coming up with a comprehensive accessibility plan for an organization. And so even once I started with NCVPS, We started from that very first year in 2017 when I began trying to come up with our own internal accessibility plan. And we worked and we worked and we put it away for a little bit and we came back and we tried it again. And three or four times over three or four years, it just wouldn't work for us. And finally, we were able to get the right collective of the right people from each area talking about our OAS department, with our social media, with our website, to curriculum with the way we build courses, to instruction with the way we teach courses. And we finally were able this past year to come up with that comprehensive accessibility plan, which would lay groundwork for any educational institution uh, that is out there. And so that's gonna be shared as a resource. And so with that, like where would you start um, looking at that accessibility plan and understanding how comprehensive it is This is not just the work of an individual. A lot of organizations will go out and hire one person to be in charge of disability services and expect that they kind of work miracles to address everything that's out there. There's nothing that's individual or independent about this entire process. And so I would suggest looking over that plan first, picking something and starting small, Um, you know, that can have the biggest impact. I think like, you know, making sure that any video that you produce and put out, whether it's through social media on your websites, that it has captions and preferably a transcript as well. That is a key piece. Like with modern technologies, what artificial intelligence and machine learning is doing for accessibility is is huge in terms of allowing us to generate auto captions that are, you know, 90 plus percent accurate from there we can create transcripts those are things that are easy to do just learn how to take advantage of the modern advances in technology and it's going to save so much effort time and energy in this process so i think that's key like there's a lot of professional development going on right now in terms of things like chat gpt and artificial intelligence and what they can do Um, but we we can use that technology to create detailed alternative text for images when we're not sure. We can use it to help, you know, generate and fix auto captions, transcripts. There's just some amazing things we can do in this modern world of technology, and so those are some of the areas where I would start.
0: Thank you so much, Chris, for those valuable tips and for reminding us that technology evolves and use things like artificial intelligence to get a head start on things like captions and transcripts. Of course, it's not perfect, so we need to go in and do the last mile, if you will. We need to edit those captions, those transcripts, but it can save a lot of work and give you a head start. And also for reminding us that, you know, you don't have to do this all on your own. Uh, It really is a team sport when it comes to accessibility. So that's a great reminder. And speaking of, you mentioned communication, Mia. So how can people stay connected with you? How can they continue this conversation and stay in touch?
1: Uh, um, So Twitter, I had to look it up. Uh, It is at at, um, Mia F. Murphy. Um, LinkedIn is actually my whole name is Mia Foy. My maiden name is Foy F O Y Murphy. Um, both. Of, I'm also on Facebook, but you know, just pictures of my children, so i um, not as um, interesting. But I would love for you know to be anyone to reach out. Also, of course, if you have questions about our program overall, we're on social media. Um, we're at NCVPS, um, and that is on um, Facebook, Instagram, and um, Twitter.
0: And how about you, Chris? How can people stay in touch with you?
1: Yeah, I did put in my my handle for Twitter and I have
2: put in my LinkedIn with you know, Chris Smith NCVPS. But email is generally the best form of communication to reach out uh, so we can have some more specific conversations about design. So Smith at ncpublicschools.gov. Um, I'm ready and willing to have a conversation about this topic anytime anyone wants
0: to talk thanks for tuning in to this episode of the accessible learning experience brought to you by the national center on accessible educational materials at cast you can find us on the web at aem.cast.org there you'll find show notes with links to all of the resources mentioned on each episode thanks again for listening and remember accessibility is everyone's responsibility The contents of this podcast were developed under a cooperative agreement with the U.S. Department of Education. However, those contents do not necessarily represent the policy of the U.S. Department of Education, and you should not assume endorsement by the federal government.